This is Neon Radio, episode 112, with Jared Kleiner. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, everyone? Welcome to today's episode of Neon Radio. We have a returning guest, Mr. Jared Kleinert. He is probably one of the youngest guests that I've had on the show and a lot of interesting things to say and can add a lot of value to you and your life. On this episode, we talk about how to use your network to amplify your creative projects, which is exactly what Jared did with this new book, 3 Billion Under 30. We talk about his creative process on writing the book and how it came to life you want to hear Jared's story, you can go over to neonradio.com slash EP94, where he talks about his story. And we do a deep dive into how to connect with other people by adding value. Another little thing I want to tell you guys about, I started a Neon Life Facebook group. And the idea here is to build community around creatives. And you can join the group. And I want to hear your stories, see your work and provide a space for you to share your needs and and challenges so that other people in the community can help and share their solutions and if they've gone through certain things. But also, I want to foster a community of collaboration so you can look for other collaborators on creative projects and different things. We are still evolving the group and building it, so any suggestions you have are welcome. But I would love to see what you guys are up to and your work and create a space to connect you with other creatives. Now, if you want to go join the group, you can go over to the Neon Life Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Neon Life. That's N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E. And there's a link on the page that you can get to it. If you want the links and show notes to this episode, just head on over to neonradio.com slash EP112. And there are links to what we talk about in this episode. So with that, I bring to you the one, the only, Mr. Jared Kleiner. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Neon Radio. We have a actual returning guest. His name is Jared Kleinart. And we're going to talk about his new book called Three Billion Under 30. And he is one of the few returning guests that we've had and the youngest guest that we've had on the show. But he's got a lot of value to add to give to you guys, which is why we are having him back on the show. And I'm excited to talk with him. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. I am equally, if not as or more humbled than I was before and super appreciative of your friendship. Uh, nice to be back in your place. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So if you guys want to check out Jared's story and learn more about him, you can go to neonradio.com slash EP94, get the full story. So we aren't going to go into it on this podcast, but I want to talk about the book and then, and get the, the backstory of how the book came into play and what actually, and give it, give us a description of what it's all about. Sure. So 
The book is called Three Billion Under 30. The subtitle is How Millennials Continue Redefining Success, Breaking Barriers, and Changing the World. I had a book come out in 2015 called Two Billion Under 20, How Millennials Blah, Blah, Blah. And <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and the book format was similar. We had 75 top performing young people share their kind of tell all experiences and lessons learned in the last book. Mm-hmm. Uh, with 2 billion under 20, everyone in the book was 20 and under at time of writing. Uh, so by the time they gave us their story, uh, they were still really, really, really young. Uh, yeah. But still, a lot of them were Olympians, kids who developed nuclear reactors in their garage at 17, were professional singers, were entrepreneurs, just incredible talents. And coming out of the launch of 2 billion under 20, which it did well, you know, we, we got bestseller on Amazon, which I don't personally think counts for anything, but <laughs> some people think it counts for something. Uh, it's easy to game. That's why I kind of discredit it. Uh, but there's, uh, it, it won an award, which is a little harder to game. We were called the number one business book or the one, number one entrepreneurship book of 2015 by the Axiom business book awards. And we beat out Peter Diamandis's book. What was, what was the one we beat out? I don't know. His most recent book. We, we topped that one. Right. So it did well, but I think it fell short of what my personal mission for the Mm. project was, which was to get as many people as possible to act on their passions in life and then start uniting them and solving big pressing problems in the world. And the reason I thought it fell short was because I had all these amazing young people buy into this vision of sharing their stories in the book because it was all their content. It was all them sharing directly with a, with an audience and we were just editing and curating, but we weren't financially incentivized to sell the book after the first week or two, because if you go with the traditional publisher, Stacy's had this experience. You are only really incentivized for that first week or two to push the book because that's the best chances you have at a New York Times list or another sort of list that could grow your speaking profile or grow your consulting profile or help you charge more for whatever creative work you do. Right. Uh, and it's like that ego thing that everyone pushes for. Um, but after that week or two, the publishers own your content. They always have ever since you signed over that advance mm-hmm. and you don't make money every time you sell the book. So really there's no financial incentive to move that forward. And, you know, if you put art or you've put something creative out into the world, of course you want to see it do well and you root for it. But right. yeah. And even if you have a mission behind it, you do want to advance it, but it naturally we also need to put food on our table and like all that. And so if you really want to move a, a mission forward, I think you have to tie a financial incentive to it Got to it. push it. So for all those reasons and a whole lot more like the community building aspect, uh, we didn't know who bought our first book because mm-hmm. all the sales went to Amazon and that's where the names and email addresses went. Or if you went to a bookstore like Barnes and Nobles gets the name and email of our uh, readers, not us, mm-hmm. you know, we couldn't really build a community. I wanted to around that book. So yeah. So a little, uh, I was proud of the work we'd done, but I thought it didn't fully accomplish what I wanted to. And so over the next year and a half, uh, it really probably took a half year off to try other things and then decided to go full blown into 3 billion under 30 in the research for that brought another 75 people to the table who were in their twenties and early Mm thirties this time. Uh, so they continued this redefinition of success and whatever else was in the subtitle and, uh, we decided to professionally self-publish the book, meaning I made a better book than I than we had before. I got better editors than what any publisher could give us. I got better designers than what any publisher could give us. 
if I had enough money, I would have hired a, a better photographer than <laughs> what publishers give us, which is nothing. And, uh, yeah, we just made a better product and now I'm selling it through my own website, which means I can get a name and an email of every time someone buys my book. So now there's financial incentive for me to sell the book indefinitely mm -hmm. and share the amazing stories from all the people in the book. And I can actually build community around it. You know, every time someone buys a book, they join this, you know, community and I can actually talk to them long term. I could share this interview with them, for example, exactly. and give them value. That's great. That's great. Now you have, I'll talk about some of the people you have in the book. I know you have Coco and Breezy, some of my friends who I... Because I, of you. I love Because you. of you. <laughs> Do you know who sings that? No. Um, I, I know the song. I'm blanking. The, on the top of my head. Mm. Damn, I forgot. Yeah, it, yeah. Comment below. I know if you know who the song is. <laughs> but yeah, who are some of the other people that you can think of off the top of your head and like the lessons that um, that they they talk about? So it's diverse. It ranges from founders of billion dollar companies like Matt Mollenweg, who started WordPress and now runs a company called Automatic that mm -hmm. owns WordPress. You also have the co-founder of Duolingo, and you have people who co-founded Elite Daily and mogul and some of the leading uh news sites for millennials yeah then you also have athletes like the two-time defending fittest woman in the world or the nba scout who discovered anthony davis one mm. of the biggest all-stars in the nba uh you have a syrian war refugee you have a, a youtuber and a future doctor who grew up in gaza and became famous from documenting that you have uh Sarah, who's a friend of ours, who's one of the leading holistic health practitioners in New York. Uh, it's really diverse, uh, yeah. all very inspiring. Social media influencers are included, like Jake Paul, who has 17 million plus social media followers by himself. Yeah. It's like a third of the collective social following of everyone in the book. Right. Uh, and he's 20. So he's, he's younger than I am. That's good. He's, uh, he's almost as tall as I am though, which is scary. That's crazy. Intimidating. But, uh, but yeah, just a really humbling group of people, uh, you know, equally as humbling that as the first group, mm -hmm. uh, even more accomplished, which was hard to imagine before this got started. But now right. that, now that we're here, I'm like, holy crap. Right, right. Yeah. And I, what I love too is every, every chapter, every person has one takeaway lesson that, that goes, that you can learn, learn from them, from their story. Yeah. It's a formative life experiences mixed with practical advice. Yeah. And it's all kind of organized in different chapters of like, say, risk or success and, and things like that. So lots to be learned. What do you, you know, what do you think of how, how have you used your network to, to, blow this project up and to expand and get eyeballs on, on your creative project, your book. I think we talked a little bit about it in the, in the last show. Um, but, or at least we talked about the, the networking principles that yeah. led to this possibility. Mm -hmm. But I started, you know, even before we had a product thinking about how to incorporate others. And so if you're an artist or you're a, a marketer, like you got to put on your marketing cap, when yeah. you when you do this, and also your creative cap, uh, and I, I you know, if, if I wrote a book today, if I wrote a book at nineteen when we were doing or publishing through two billion under twenty, or if I wrote a book, published it today, I don't have enough compelling stuff to write a really good book. I don't personally think I mean, maybe I have enough of a story to write a hundred pages or two hundred pages, or it'd have to be fiction. Yeah, but I don't think I have a, a personally great enough story yet 
to write a, a book that will catch on. Right. Um, so from a creative side, I thought, you know, incorporating other people's stories mm-hmm. would be better. Uh, and I've seen this with other nonfiction authors as well. You know, Tim Ferriss now has the ability to write any sort of book he wants, but right. he still incorporated more people in his last book than he ever had before. Uh, and that was part to make a better art, you know, better product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, you know, a lot of people think Tools of Titans is better than any book he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also better from a marketing standpoint because all these people have some sort of incentive to share the book. Maybe not the same buy-in or the same incentive as you do, but you know, everyone in his book will probably share it at some point, If you know, whether it's a tweet or an Instagram, you know, uh, story share or you know, full-blown getting behind into marketing, you know, they have some sort of incentive and the same is true for my book. Um, so from a market, from like creating the art and then getting your art out into the world, mm-hmm. I think it was a lot better to think about that before I made the product and then kept that in mind as I was making the product. So I, I would look for diverse people to include. Mm-hmm. And I did consider their social media followings, their email list followings, uh, I didn't let that blind me though. Like there's still yeah. plenty of stories in the book from people that don't have any sort of following or, right. um, you know, I would pick, I, you know, I always looked for someone who was high integrity, well-connected and respected in their industry mm-hmm. and who didn't have a, a repeating storyline from our last book or even in the book itself. Right. Uh, but you know, after that, you know, I did look for people that could help push the book in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know how you'd replicate this necessarily in a, in photography or art, but maybe, you know, instead of having random people as your subjects, like humans of New York, maybe it would be like humans of New York, but every person you've photographed was famous or Neil Strauss did this when he was getting his, you know, writing career started, he would write about rock stars. Yeah. And so then all of his books would be very popular. Right. So, and you've done this too. Like you, you know, do photography on a lot of famous people. Yeah. And so naturally that's helped you get your work out into the world. And yes, you do, you know, other <laughs> stuff and you, you draw stars and yeah, anything else you want, but you, you also have a little bit of a marketing mind into your creative process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, you know, that was, that's the most important and that's probably the, the highest leverage you can get is if you actually bake it into the product. Uh, and then later on, it's really, thinking about and empathizing with what someone else would want uh, mm-hmm. if you're going to ask them for you know their help in sharing your message so if right. i ask you to come on your podcast again you know i have to think about what is what does nick want out of this or how can i provide as much value to his audience or in what other way can i make this worth his while mm-hmm. uh and then it's it's still an ask and i i personally still get anxiety over asking for things and, and asking for help but at least I, I feel like I'm providing an equal amount to my ask, if not offering more. And so there's a lot of book contributors that I feel like I've helped way more than I've asked for mm-hmm. over time. And yeah. I want to help, but you know, that's uh, you know, being empathetic about what it is you're asking for and, and how it could benefit the other person. Yeah. Or even knowing that it's not going to benefit the other person and making that known, like I really need your help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that That's like a better place to come from as well than just, asking for stuff and not caring about the other side of the table. Absolutely. What kinds of things that have you offered other people, whether they're in the book or, you know, in in terms of value for, you know, their help and promotion or, or what like that? Well, there's a lot of different case studies. So there's a few people that worked on the book itself that were featured in the book. So Mm -hmm. I had a Connor Grimms is an amazing designer 
Uh, he's also a, a CEO running a company, but he messaged me saying, hey, I need you know some extra cash mm-hmm. to grow my business and I want to go back to doing some design work. So I immediately hired him to help me uh, you know, get some of our designs done. And yeah. not that he... You know, not that I charged, he charged me full price because we had a, a long-term friendship and I'd have also hired him in the past, Yeah, but he did amazing work and I've, I've sent tens of thousands of dollars his way, uh, because of our friendship and because he's always been there when I needed it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, a lot of that's previous value exchange and current value exchange. I'm on a, I'm on a show mentioning Connor, <sighs> you know, and like that's going to bring him some business potentially. Yeah. I'm Same. probably, I'm now I'm going to go look him up. Yeah, so same with, uh, there's this guy, Robert Klubenspies, who used to be, uh, he used to run all the marketing automation and technical setup for an eight-time New York Times bestselling author. And so I hired him as well, and he was in the book. Uh, and he charged me fair rate. I got a little bit of a discount because I paid him up front mm-hmm. rather than like trying to, like I, you know, I, he, he had a fee and I just negotiated that if I pay him up front, like we'd be good. Uh, with a little bit of a discount and any, I think any creative would want that sort of deal so that they have cash flow. Right. Um, but I've also sent him more business. Yeah. Like even since then. And so that's just one example. You know, other examples are getting press for book contributors. So as I was doing press for the book launch, you know, I didn't necessarily have to be profiled myself. I actually passed the baton to a lot of other people and had them in the articles as long as it linked back to the book. Right. Or I would make like highly shareable social media videos about other people. Like I don't need the like I have I, everyone has ego, but I don't have that great of an ego where I'd put myself before others, especially mm-hmm. if they're in my product and it's going to advance my cause, my mission anyways. Right. So right. I did. There's a lot of stuff like that, like, you know, p- getting contributors press, introducing them to the right people. I introduced you to one of the, the book contributors and you guys we're you know, at the beginning of, of starting something together. You did a little bit of work together and just on and on and on like that. Even uh, Coco and Breezy, who you connected me to, and, and they were featured in the book because of your introduction. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I was with them and introduced them to a, a French VC who had bought $5,000 worth of books. And oh, so wow. Great. Uh, that might be a potential investor for them as they're raising money. Or maybe they'll get an introduction to investors you know, through that. Yeah, I you know it, it kind of goes back to empathy. Like I really truly care about all the book contributors that are in my book. Like I I'm their biggest cheerleader, whether they want my cheerleading or not. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes you know I, I know that a lot of them are really busy and like don't necessarily need me or yeah. want want me even. Uh, like Matt Mullowick doesn't need me. Right. Uh, right. But I'll still try and find a way to help. So if if James Altucher doesn't want me on his show, fine. I'll get Matt Mullenweg to go on his show, and I'll still get the shout out. <laughs> That's great. I would actually like to see you do a, uh, your cheer. My chair? Yeah. No, I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> I don't have pom-poms. <laughs> I can't cheer without pom-poms, Nick. D- didn't you know you're supposed to bring your pom-poms to the podcast? I did not get it in the email. <laughs> That's my bad. The That's Google Calendar bad. invite did not have <laughs> pom-poms in it. What do you typically offer as value to somebody who already has a large audience, say some of the YouTube stars that you you're working with or things like that? Yeah, again, it comes back to a lot of times it's connecting them to others mm-hmm. or you know, everyone wants different value. So with Matt Mullenweg is a great example. Like he doesn't need anything really from me, but uh, I was in touch with James Altucher. And again, like 
James wasn't like thrilled about having me on his show as like his youngest guest ever, uh, just because he has like one of the biggest business podcasts out there. Right. But I was like, hey, I got Matt Mullenweg in the book. Do you want to bring him on the show? And he was like, hell yeah. So I made that introduction and Matt got a lot of value from it. Uh, he didn't even remember that I made the introduction, but again, it doesn't matter. Like I don't need that credit. Right. Uh, and it was value to James and it's value to the, the audience of that interview and everyone wins. You know, I, I even got a shout out before and at, or at the beginning and at the end of the interview for the book. So like that's value. Yeah. Um, some people don't want anything or some people like by helping, they, they feel like, you know, they've uh, gotten value. Yeah, I have a couple of mentors that I no matter how much I try and help them, they will not take it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I guess they just like hanging out and, and offering advice <laughs> and paying for meals. I, I don't know. Hey, I mean, why not? So, uh, yeah, again, it goes back to like asking people what they want. Everyone's different. That's good. That's good. What do you use? To, how do you keep track of your network and, and all all your the collection that you've you've created? I'm not that great at it, actually. I, I I try and go deep with people when I'm with them so that that mm-hmm. lives past, you know, our, our time apart. So, like, now I'm going to try and have a good conversation with you and, <laughs> you know, like, spend quality time. And you know, when we see each other in a, in a month or three months or six months, mm-hmm. then that will have been a, a better transition than if we just had shallow conversations once every week yeah they're through uh and you know i also there's this thing called dunbar's number where you can really only know the ins and outs of about 150 relationships at a time yeah the good thing is we have social media where you can you know quickly go in to people's lives and like figure out all the details that in history you would have to have in your head yeah so not that i did but i could have before i came to record this like go scroll all your Facebook for the last month or scroll your Twitter for the last month and figure out little snapshots of what's happened in your life. Mm. And I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it's, it's there if you, if you yeah. needed it. And so, um, it, it, yeah, it's really just, I, I still mentally play by the Dunbar's number thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I just try and hang out with the right people and that sort of trickles down. Absolutely good so then more people are seeing my art than i can even have our relationship with as i'm sure it's the same with you like probably hundreds of thousands of people if not millions see your art or mm-hmm. hear your art or view your art but uh well, i guess that's seen <laughs> <laughs> they witness it or they they interact with it and you don't interact with all those people not right. every day right you know i guess i mean social media is definitely the exponential outlet for that yeah i'd agree how, how have you leveraged you know, we talked a little bit about this as a learning process in the beginning of this podcast, but how, how are you using social media to leverage that exponential exposure to the book? It's, it's a work in progress, but I've definitely started educating myself more about social media as a marketing tool mm-hmm. uh, and I'm starting to build the right relationships with vendors with consultants you know with people who could help me grow those accounts yeah um there's yeah there's a few things i did before the book launch which certainly helped uh the launch happen better using social media but as i was mentioned yeah as we were talking about it, it that's a skill just like art just like photography just like writing it's it's really hard mm-hmm. so a lot of people probably underestimate, like I underestimated how hard 
content creation is and social media management was to do it right in a way that will grow your business and allow you to, to live off your work. I I underestimated that until a few months before the book launch. And it's definitely one of the marketing channels that we're going to try and grow because the, the fun thing about this book is it's a business. It's not like two billion under 20 where a week or two after the launch, I've lost financial incentive to share that, you know, mm-hmm. share the uh, book. Like It's a business. So everyone keeps everyone was asking me, like, were you excited for you know Tuesday, January 17th when the book came out? I was like, yes and, and no. Like, I'm excited because I'll start making real revenue. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to reinvest that back into building a company like I, right. I have a sales goal for the entire year, not just for a week mm-hmm. uh you know talk about not letting your ego get in the way like i can't even hit a new york times list or i can't hit any sort of real list because i've not worked with the traditional publisher yeah so i actually had to give that up in order to have the setup i have now which is let's grow a business mm, you know, this is this is my first product in this business and uh now let's set up a marketing channel here and let's set up another one there and so that's uh that's the bigger uphill battle but it's exciting like that's yeah. Uh, I find that more enjoyable than having a, a piece of art go out and then you don't care about it two weeks later or not that you don't care about it, but you, you have to be forced away from it because there's the financial realities right. of the world. Right. Got it. So a few questions here before we wrap up, who in the book are your creative entrepreneur type guests or features? Do, do your audience know about Coco and Breezy? Uh, they've Coco and Breezy have been on the show. Nice. They, they've been on the show. Did they, they DJ on the show? They're like the early. No, this is before they were DJing. They're like, ah, they are like the OGs of neon radio. <laughs> this is back when it was called shop talk radio as I had to redo the intro earlier for. Um, so yeah, as far as creatives, uh, I mean, I would call social media content creation and art for sure, or an art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's people like Jake Paul, there's people like Furious Pete, who has over 5 million uh, subscribers on YouTube and almost a billion video views by now. He's a mix of a sponsored bodybuilder, competitive eater, uh, entrepreneur, and other things, cancer survivor, Jeez. <laughs> author, uh, future uh, rocket scientist. <laughs> uh, hilarious so he's very interesting and then you know as far as other art I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head uh i mean you have coco and breezy who make designer sunglasses and have used that to grow a bigger lifestyle brand mm-hmm. you know under their their name yeah um there's christina bazan she's a she's a big name actually uh she is a She's a lot of things too, but she's an influencer on social media. She has 2.4 mm-hmm. million followers on Instagram alone. She is one of the first influencers and fashion bloggers to work with the high-end brands. And so her strength early on in her career was being able to go to Dior, to Dolce & Gabbana, to you know, insert your favorite high-end fashion brand here, Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Stacy at? Let's go get her. Um, and, you know, she would go to these companies who wanted just promotion and she'd be like, we'll give you promotion and an audience, but also we'll make the creatives for you. Cause she had a team that could make much better pictures and, you know, designs mm. uh, and, and modeling than yeah. they could. And so that was their strength early on. And now she, she just signed a 
seven figure deal with L'Oreal Paris to be one of their spokespersons uh, in 2015. So she's writing that out. She's yeah, a huge artist. Wow. She started singing. So great. Then there's someone like Karen civil, who's the manager for YG and Jeezy and Nipsey hustle. She also played around with some, uh, production and I think she helped produce a song that little Wayne was on. Yeah. I would, I would call her an artist too. Yeah. And you have Tara Ainsley. We have Tara. Tara is one of the youngest feature film producers in the country <laughs> and, and my girlfriend. Fantastic. Fantastic. What's one of your favorite lessons that you've learned personally from the people in your book? There's a lot. And I've, I've definitely used the book as a muse in, uh, in making it. Cause I, I definitely, there was some struggles along the way and, and just some like bumps along the road. Cause it was a very unique path, but one in particular was from Brent Underwood, who uh, his piece was all about stop playing business. So meaning he, he, uh, he's been behind over 30 New York times, best-selling book launches. Mm-hmm. And he also now has one of the, lar- uh, the top rated hostels in the country. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Weird left field thing. But his story was all about not doing the things that would boost your ego in, in a business building setting and mm. instead just doing things that improve your customer experience and make you money. So as I was coming out with the book, we didn't really do any launch party. We, I didn't, you know, I did some press, but didn't really actually focus that much on press at all. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do many unpaid speaking gigs. I did a couple um, that were somewhat paid uh, and or just like very strategic, but like all the, like a lot of these things that authors do, cause it just feels good. And that's like what authors do. I was like, screw that. Like it's not going to help anyone. Right. And, or it's going to help very few people. So uh, I just focused on the business building stuff instead. You know, how could I, I didn't make a very artistic video on our thank you page the website so when someone buys a book they get immediately sent to this page where i have a so you think you can dance dancer uh and uh a dj blau who actually supports pencils of promise mm-hmm. uh gave me the rights to his song and i have uh mariah dancing the book from me to the post office to like send it off to the customer that's great um but like i made that in part because it's going to keep people on that web page and then ask them to share the book on social media and so that's like a semi-viral engine that I'm trying to make similar to like an Uber or Lyft discount code. Uh, but those things like improve the customer experience, number one, like that's mm-hmm. just a fun, unexpected thing that no one else has when they're selling their book. Right. <laughs> or, or most products. Most people like they're going to be like, what? This is cool. <laughs> uh, and then two, it like could contribute very much so to the growth of our sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that works the way it should, that's free marketing. So, yeah, and I, I give away like a, you know, an incentive for that too, but, uh, that's the stuff we were really focusing on in, in lead up and post book launch. Uh, and some of it failed. Like it was, uh, like some of the pre-launch stuff we, we tried to do this campaign called hashtag share your story two weeks out before the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we ended up having a book trailer slash share your story kickoff video that had, six six contributors in it with over 25 million combined social media followers and that only got like 150 views total before the book came out so it failed miserably uh it was just too big of an ask of people to like take a video of themselves and post that online using the hashtag share your story that was the idea yeah uh too big of an ask but it failed and then like we tried this uh referral giveaway engine thing the week before the book launch where 
Uh, if you if you entered your email, you would get five free stories from the book. If you shared your link uh, and got five people to give us their emails, then you would get a free ebook. Ten people, free hardcover, twenty five and fifty. There was other rewards mm-hmm. that didn't do well either. Uh, in part because our team was a little bit late to get it up, uh, and we just it, it just it was a failure. Yeah. yeah, but that's okay because we're we've played such a unique game outside the traditional publishing world, and we've extended the you know the longevity of our product that we can throw different ideas out on the table and if one works then yeah i'll sell a lot more books and get more stories out than i would have before so i'm down to to experiment all day long as long as it doesn't break the bank (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and you got to learn from your you got to try things and learn i think that's a big thing is yeah even if it fails you learn from that yeah I'm sure you've failed quote unquote or air quotes like a lot as you were doing, you know, art or still do. Definitely. I mean, there's stuff you're like, eh, well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. You're like this one painting out of 10 I did this week. <laughs> exactly. Is one exactly. I would actually like, want to sell. <laughs> well, that didn't come out like I wanted to. <laughs> oh, well, learn from that. And so that, that's very much true in like the startup world or in the marketing world. You know, I, I think there's a lot that marketers could learn from creatives mm-hmm. and vice versa. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, pick up the book, 3billionunder30.com. That's the numbers, number three billion under 30, the number 30.com. And also a, this is exciting too, is a portion of the proceeds are going to go towards my favorite charity, Pencils of Promise. In part because Nick inspired me. So, uh, you guys can give him a clap virtually as well for that (laughs) or a thumbs up or however you show virtual love. Yeah, absolutely. And there's tons of lessons to be learned in this book, so uh, which is why I wanted to share it with you guys today. So, uh, Jared, before we leave, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Uh, if you found this valuable, I'd love to hear from you. Just email me, Jared, like the gallery of jewelry and not like the subway guy, because he's a jerk, uh, <laughs> at 3billionunder30.com, uh, or check out the book, 3billionunder30.com is the website for that. So, uh, Instagram is right now it's Jared dot Kleinert, but for some reason I'm, I'm like trying to regain Jared Kleinert. No one owns it. I think it's just like my old email, like had it, but mm. working on it, but every other social platform is just at Jared Kleinert. There you go. But yeah. Happy to hear from you. Uh, oh, you can also text me too. Like I don't on all my social accounts, there's my phone number. So people can just text me. There you go. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Neon Radio. I am your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Jared Kleinert, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on iTunes, sharing it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And don't forget to go over and join the Neon Life Facebook group over at facebook.com slash neon life. There's a link in the page and we would love to hear and see your creative ventures and hear what you thought about this week's episode. So so if you want to check out the show notes and links to this week's episode, it's neonradio.com slash EP112. Also, you can go over to neonradio.com to sign up for the newsletter and get the latest episodes delivered to your inbox every week when we drop them. So with that, it's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment, and we'll see you next time. 